Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. And it's Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, honey. How you doing? I'm good. It's rainy. You know, just a rainy day in L.A. It is rainy. It's raining. It's retrograde and technology has been challenging, but I'm going to breathe through it. I'm not going to get stressed. Um, <laughs> you, you know, technology is my number one stress, <laughs> causer of stress. Um, so I put just jump right into it. Okay, dokie. You guys, we have a special guest today. I'm really excited to have her on. She's a fellow podcaster like us, which I feel like we haven't had like a lot of podcasters on lately. So I'm really excited to have a potter on. Is that what they call them? I don't I think you made that up. Potter. <laughs> um, I'd love to welcome to the show Aliyah Lovely of the Spiritual Shit Podcast, energy channeler, mama, overall beautiful spirited human. And I'm just <laughs> excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Excited to chat it up. How are you feeling today? Uh, you know, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really good. The sun is out. You guys were talking about your rain, and I would love to have Ellie rain right now because um, it's super cold in the Midwest. But Where are I'm you feeling, based? I'm feeling real good. Uh, Kansas City. Kansas City, Kansas or Missouri? Missouri. Thank you for asking. Is that where <laughs> you're from? Most people don't know. <laughs> What'd you say? Is that where you're from? Yeah. So I, I'm from born and raised here. I did a stint in New York and London for a bit and then came back. Yes, I heard about this stint in London. I was listening to another podcast and I was so intrigued by uh, kind of your journey to spiritual shit. And oh. um, what I gathered was that you were more religious at one point in your life or maybe grew up really religious. Is that is that mm -hmm. what that's correct? That is correct. Can you tell our audience? Um, yeah. I, I want to know this story. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, you know, like I, I was raised in a Christian home, um, went to school, like went to church four or five days a week. And at some point I started asking lots of questions and things weren't lining up in the way that, that felt in alignment with me. And so I moved to London with my boyfriend and my mom really didn't like that. And it was really such a cool experience because it was getting outside of my bubble it was the first time I was really traveling, the first time I had really like gone somewhere internationally. And I got to meet all these people that were wonderful and amazing, but didn't have the same beliefs as I did. And so it really turned my the foundation of my belief system on its head. So I had an opportunity to give my, you know, ask the proper questions. And I ended up turning 180 into an atheist where oh, I just wow. didn't believe in anything. Like, oh my God, your <laughs> yeah, mom like the, the, the revelation <laughs> of a lot of the things that were happening in the church and stuff that I just wasn't down with. So um, became an atheist for a long bit. And then I moved to New York and uh, found my people and found spirituality again. What, what, when you when you met your husband, was he religious? So my ex-husband, the first one, <laughs> um, he, no, he was not. And so it was kind of like the opening the door to different points of view and things that I had not encountered before. And so actually could credit him for that, like opening me up to a different type of world, but it was a really traumatic relationship. And like, I feel thankful that I went through it because it taught me a lot about myself and self-worth and 
things that maybe I wouldn't have gone through if I hadn't have met him. Um, but I found my spirituality again after we broke up and I was living in New York and I started going to sound baths and crystal shops and all, you know, all the things, getting card readings and so on. And um, it was really a deep exploration of, of who I was after that relationship. That's so interesting. Was your mom totally mortified that you were an atheist for an extended amount of time? I mean, <laughs> there was <laughs> mortified. I don't know if it's the word. Um, crushed, devastated, uh, depressed. I don't know. Did you grow? Um, up, did you grow up Christian or Catholic? Or, yeah. Okay. Christian Baptist, Southern Baptist. Okay. So it's a different kind of Baptist, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, mortified. Like I mean, we've come to an understanding now that I'm an adult, further an adult. But um, she had a real, real problem with it. My father was a little bit more like, you know, do what you want. That's fine. But she really had a hard time with it because she holds like Jesus is our homeboy, you know. Mm. Um, I know you um, are an energy healer. How did how did you kind of tap into that? Is this something kind of that you've always kind of known existed within you or and I think also I was listening to another show and you were saying how you have you see visions too and you see you see things mm-hmm. as well so like I yeah. would imagine that a I don't know when these visions started happening if you were a little girl um but how how did that kind of how did those show up for you and how have they kind of led you into the work that you do now yeah so I would call myself an energy reader, reader. I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm a healer but um, when I was little, I would have dreams that came true a lot. And so when I was in church, it was under the category of a seer or like a prophet or something like that. So when I was in that, that, that space of like, um, being a child and like having these kind of names put on me, um, I started to see like not just visions, but like ghosts in our house or visitors, if you will, um, past loved ones would come to me in dreams and give, you know, relay messages and so on. And so at some point I started to feel like nervous about that because there were things that were happening that, um, in the visions or in the dreams that I was having that were like, not like good things. So I was really like concerned about it. And so at some point, um, I was 10 years old. I had this really scary experience where this uh, entity came into my room, looked like my mom, hung over my bed, the whole sixth sense kind of thing. And I essentially shut down my ability to see like that kind of stuff because it scared me so badly. And so when I got older, I found out that my dad also has it. And then I found out that my grandma has it. And then it's just like kind of this thing that people don't talk about. And so I kind of shut it down and I was like, I'm not going to deal with this. And then when my grandpa died, he came through a dream um, to both my dad and myself, the same saying the same thing. It was just like a, such a weird, if you would want to call it a coincidence, but not at all. Um, when my grandmother died, she gave me messages from my mom and my sisters that were like things that I wouldn't know anything about. And so at some point I started to try to dig into it and start really learning. Like, what is this? This is super weird. Um, it's not it's not normal for someone to have connection to these types of people or things that you're, you're not able to see in your like waking life. And then it's also super weird if you tell other people about it and they're like, you're fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. So it was something I hid for a really long time. It's something that my dad really doesn't talk about. And he occasionally will tell me about things that have happened in the house. There was one time um, I was coming back from college and I stayed at their house and I saw a little boy in the hallway in the middle of the night. He opened the door, my door, 
that I was staying in came in the room and I was like freaked out and I ran outside and I saw he had um, like a basketball in his hand and walked into the bathroom. And so when I came to my dad in the morning, I was like, I saw this and this in the living room. And he was like, oh yeah, he's here. He doesn't bother anybody. Like it was no big deal. Like he's just been like, <laughs> he's like oh that yeah, that's Charlie. No, no worries. No big deal. And he's like, don't tell your mom. It'll scare her. Like, you know, just let it be. So it's, it's kind of like that. So I think that that's, I started my podcast and the work that I do now because I felt so tired of always feeling like I was crazy. And this was like before spirituality was kind of cool and mainstream. You could be like, oh yeah, I'm a psychic. And people were like, cool, let's chill. <laughs> um, it was just, it was one of those things where it was just like you, you had to hide it. You didn't talk about it. So I started the podcast, um, Spiritual Shit, because I was like, well, like maybe if I'll find my people, I'll find other people who have these experiences or maybe I won't feel so alone. And that was primarily the only reason I started the podcast. I mean, yeah, it would be in some regard, but Profit prophet, uh, like prophetic things like that are dreams that would come true or someone that sees himself as a seer that sees the future. I wasn't seeing the future. I was seeing something connected to like ghosts or people or entity or spirits or something talking to me and telling me things. I would have some dreams that would be like precognition, but they would never be exact. It would be like, Oh, it would like, for instance, I had a dream that my sister, uh, her boyfriend had told her or she, that she told her boyfriend that she loved him. And I called her and I was like, don't tell that boy you love him. Oh no, not that. No, he's not the one. <laughs> and as I'm on the phone with her, he calls her to tell her he loves her. And she's like, no, oh no, that's not the guy. <laughs> you know? So, um, it was, you know, just, it was always like a twist. It wasn't like exact. So, um, in that, I'm sure I know that people have gifts and they can do stuff like that. It's just, that's not something that I felt comfortable with. And that even to this day, I do card readings and I talk to people and I help people understand their energy and what blocks them. But I do not do future predictions because there's so much in free will that like on a dime, you can decide today that that's not the reality you want to live. So it's not set. I, I always thought it was interesting. Like I, I didn't grow up religious at all. I've always been really attracted to the the witchy Mm -hmm. spirituality but I always thought it was so strange that there were so many like similarities and like but religious people are so anti because like you talk about prophets the whole bible is made by some men that got a download you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then like but then there's people like you who experience and your dad and your grandmother and who experience? What do you say? Or your grandfather, who experienced these, yeah. vi- these visions, and they're scared to to discuss it in these circles because it's it's also considered anti-religious, or like, yeah. and or for some people like demonic, you know? Yeah, it's hyper hypocritical. Yes. Like it's like a lot of the the aspects of modern day religion or Christianity are founded off of old ancient pagan principles. So. It's kind of funny. And then when you get into like on a cultural level, when we think about, I always had a problem with it when we learned about slavery and stuff in school and colonization and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that we got pulled out of here and we're worshiping someone that they told us to? Nah. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's that's always my biggest thing with religion. I'm like, I'm not going to carry on out a religion that they gave me so they could justify stealing my ancestors. (laughs) I'm cool. I'm not worshiping your white Jesus. It (laughs) always baffles me when I see like a lot of black people in church. (laughs) I'm just like, 
Isn't this weird? <laughs> well, it's a good point to bring up because I often find that it's difficult to find other people of color in this space. And so it ends up being a very white space because we don't like, at least uh, culturally, we didn't grow up in places where we had a lot of that flexibility, depending on where you grew up, obviously. Um, but Christianity seems to be the kind of like normal foundation of how we were raised. Well, well in, in, addition America, to, anyway. in addition to that, like on a cellular level, not only were we conditioned to believe that we were conditioned that if we believed or practiced anything else, we would right. die. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> like, even for me, I didn't, I didn't have to be religious for my parents, but I, when I started to like, not want to be like, Jesus is my savior, savior. I felt guilty yeah. about it. And I was like, why do yeah. I feel guilty? This is not even what I was grew up on, but there's right. still yeah. this underlying fear that maybe you won't get into heaven or something. Yeah. I yeah. think actually I have a, my, when my grand, grandmother passed away, I was in the middle of the, the, tra the transformation process for my, what my belief system. And my parents were all still like really pressuring me. And at the time I was um, married to my ex-husband. And so when she started to descend, we'll say like she started to pass away, she got really sick. She was in the hospital and we were all sitting around her just kind of like waiting for when that was going to happen. And I remember sitting there and just like, like pr almost praying to her and saying, please let me know what happens when we die. Mm. Like, please let me not be on the wrong side of this. Like if, if like hell, hell is the only thing that's kind of like, you know, the carrot on the stick, <laughs> um, keeping me in this religion. I, I want to know and make sure that I'm not making the wrong choice by deciding against that or that I want to believe in something else. And so like, I never, I didn't think it was appropriate, obviously like whisper that in her ear or anything like that, but I just kind of like <laughs> hey, knew I felt like, <laughs> <laughs> I just I felt she was in that in between space right. so I was like I can trust that she hears me and that she'll she'll let me know. 4 days, maybe 5 after she passed, she comes to me in this dream that was crazy wicked. Um I'm in her house and in the house she has these french doors that come out from her kitchen and at boom like they open up and there's all these people that come rushing in. I'm getting chills as I tell the story. They come rushing in and they start to descend in what looks like a whirlpool almost that goes down in like a portal in the middle of her living room. And so I see her there and she's like small and her head is like a normal adult size, but she's like a child size person. And I'm, I'm looking at her and she's like, quickly come to me. I need to tell you something. And there are these two in insanely tall men that are standing next to her, like almost like waiting to usher her somewhere else. And she was like, number one, it's a girl. And I was like, it's a girl. Like my cousin was pregnant at the time and my sister was pregnant at the time, but they both had boys. And so I really think and believe that she saw my daughter, like the one, the person I have now. Um, then she said too, um, she told me some personal information about my mom, what my mom had done. My mom redid my grandmother's makeup postmortem after the, the mortuary people had did all the stuff. She was like, that's not how my mom would want it, want it to look. So she did it. I had no idea that my mom did that. I had no idea how she did it. I would not be able to compose myself in that way. That was my mom's way of being able to spend time with her. And she told me some other things that are personal I won't mention here. But anyway, she told me to, to, to tell my mom and let her know that like, I know what you did for me. Like, I know like what you did, whatever. And then afterwards she gave me a few other messages and they were getting ready to take her away. And she, and she goes, Oh wait, and grabs my arm. And she says, it's not like how they say it's going to be. 
and re- with reference to your question that you're trying to ask me while we're in the hospital room, it's not how they say it's going to be. You are on the right path. I will be your guide. Um, don't worry about like all the answers or whatever. Like you're on the right path. Like I'll tell you later. And then I wake up. Wow. And so it was after that, that like maybe a year later, that all the pieces kind of started to come together for myself to have that opening of like, there is no hell. Like we live here in hell now, if we choose <laughs> um, our, our perspective or how we're connected to other people, the, their mindset, like people are, are living through heaven and hell currently as as a reality. And so she was teaching me through that, like she's been a spirit guide of mine, but I, I felt, I felt so much like, I don't know the word, like relief, like ha- upon having that dream of just like, okay, I can allow myself to figure this out as I go, that there's not this pressure. I have to figure it out now that there's not this like, you know, demon hell, brimstone and fire waiting for me if I don't follow suit. Permission. And it was such, such a relief. Right. Exactly. She was like, so you, don't you, have to, you don't have to go buy this book. You could do it right. your own way. <laughs> Yeah. And she was one, she was someone who kind of like marched to the beat of her own drum. Anyway, she read cards. I never like was allowed to participate in it because my mom sheltered me from her doing that stuff. But when my mom found out that I was doing it, oh man, she was like, that's the stuff your grandma used to do. And I was like, wait, what? Grandma used to do this? Oh, this is cool. So it's kind of funny how it just travels through the family anyway. Wow. I mean, I just got, I got chills listening to that story and it's, that's so beautiful that that you have this gift too, that where you can kind of get confirmations along the way. And I think about, uh, I think about people that have this gift like yourself. And I think about the, um, I guess assumptions that people make that because you have this access for lack of a better word to the other side or to messages that, um, like they look at people like this and like, well, why isn't your life perfect? Right. Like you have all the answers. Right. Like, shouldn't you know, like you're an energy channeler. Can't you unblock yourself? Can't you do this? Can't you do that? Like and I think that that's a misconception. And I'm I'm sure I'm I'm curious really to know, like how you respond to those type of things, because I mean, I know that I mean, I I think early on and when I was a child, I saw things as well when I was young and I got scared and I've since I've blocked them off and I've never really experienced them again. I, I definitely feel energy a lot. And I've, I think even more recently have been more open to this voice and in my intuition that has been talking to me a lot louder, more, more recently. And part of me too is like hoping that like the work that I'm doing this year is going to help kind of open my mind up to those things again. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just curious to know, like, how do you, how do you guess explain to other people this gift and how it's not necessarily a tool to fixing yourself essentially and knowing the answers to everything? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It's in my belief that everybody has a connection. So I like, I think that sometimes when like words are important and when we call it a gift, people tend to put it on a pedestal and think, wow, there must be something special about you. You must have this access that I don't have. And like, while there are varying degrees of access, I think like we're born with that birthright. Like we're born connected. It's just that when we grow up, we have levels of trauma and less levels of conditioning that take us out of that connection. So I think for myself, the reason why I stayed partially connected is because I had a father who understood 
those types of sensitivities. My mother, who is very, very scared, high anxiety lover, um, but it won't trust her intuition maybe as much. She's starting to now, but not when we were children. Like that still was able to slip through. And I was still able to kind of trust a lot of those things. Um, but in traditional Western world, you don't have permission to do that. And we're, our children now, our new generation is coming through and being able to do that, but in ways that we weren't able to do when we were kids. And so for myself, like, I, I don't treat it like it's, it's this like holy thing. You know, I'm actually very irreverent. If you listen to my podcast, you know, it's called spiritual shit. So <laughs> there's, there's not this kind of like, we're not looking at it like in a, in a distance, right? Like it's something so high and far away from us and that like this person has access to this. I think that when we decondition ourselves, we find that connection to our own intuition, to our guides, to our ancestors, to our spiritual selves, our higher selves or whatever, God. And it's just a matter of like peeling the layers back. So that's my job. Like I come into a space where I, I'm in an energy reader. I would say that my gift is that I'm clairaudient. So I get messages through through my ears. Like I hear things very audibly at times and I can hear in people's voices the frequency if they don't agree with themselves, basically. Mm-hmm. Like if someone is saying something out loud and they're like, oh yeah, da, 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 the, just the way that they say something, the sound of the way that they say it tells me otherwise. I, mm-hmm. I'm a human lie detector. <laughs> like, and, and so- and that could be that I'm really gifted, if you will, but it could also be that I had an unstable home and I needed to figure out how people speak or to know when I was going to be in danger so that way I could anticipate the needs of other people to make them comfortable so I could stay safe. So like the empathicness thing that we talk about, people being sensitive to other people's emotions and so on, like that could be a gift and it is, but also it could be like hypervigilance to, to keep yourself safe in environments where you felt like your, your parents or whoever your caretaker was, wasn't stable. It was a way to stay out of the way of the T-Rex. If I can anticipate the emotion or the energy of what's coming, I can keep myself safe. And so with my father, I love my dad, but like he came in, he was kind of volatile when we were young and probably a little bit bitter that he had so many children and he was very empathically sensitive to noise and sensory. I think my dad might be on the spectrum. And so when he would come in, we just didn't know which dad we were going to get. If it, the noise was going to be too much for him and he was going to be overstimulated and he's like, everybody clean this house. Everybody that like when he came in the house, it was like, <gasps> be ready. Like, like everyone, we're not sure about what we're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody be quiet. Don't say anything. You know, like it was like that. So my gift, if you will, may have come out of my greatest wound of like that, that, that sensitivity of like, oh, I don't want to, you know, and in, in fact, it's why I ended up marrying my first husband, because it was someone that, that, that felt familiar to me. I knew how to do that game. And once I deconditioned myself out of that, and I'm like, wait a minute, this person is gaslighting me. This person is making me feel this way. Like, I don't like this triggeredness all the time. Like, I don't like to be in this fight or flight all the time. It felt like love because it was familiar but I'm past this shit. Like I've outgrown this now. Like, let me move on. And now I have this insanely amazing partner who's so loving and I'm so comfortable with, and I can be exactly myself and I can trust my intuition. And it's a really beautiful thing. I love him. But um, all that to say, like, I think that in, innately and in what my message is, particularly in my podcast and what I do is helping people access their own inner wisdom. I am not a fan of like guruism I'm not a fan of like someone being like, I'm the gift and you have to lean on me. And this is what, oh, I'm the channeler of blah, blah, blah. Okay, (laughs) that's fine. And people do have those gifts. They do. But if I'm creating a world where people 
can have access to their own inner wisdom, I think people are better off. Because instead of having to turn to me every Wednesday or every Friday to get their answer, their clarity, or their guidance, they ha- they can turn to themselves and access that wisdom themselves. So it's about peeling those onion, and you can tell I'm really passionate about this, but it's about peeling those onion layers back of the conditioning we've had put on us with our trauma and all the things that we've gone through that has kept us from connecting to ourselves, And that is the gift. I mean, I, I love that you said that because I think that a lot of times we do. I mean, we're conditioned to look outwardly. I mean, even religion asks us to do that, you know, to look outwardly right. to get the answers when truly they are within us. And, you know, it does help to get little signs along the way and, and get, Absolutely. you know, get that extra push from from people like you or, you know, in, intuitives or whatever, it, whatever it may be, even whatever your religion is and as well, but not to lean so heavily into that space and rely on solely that because a you do yourself such a disservice and ultimately what you learn is just you just don't trust yourself in any space in any aspect and b you're probably i mean if you're spending a lot of money on your readings or the tides at church and just all these things like just giving and giving and giving without really i mean maybe you get a return but not really because it's not really connected to your highest self and what you really want well, or looking for. Re- religion places the power outside of you. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly seeking for things outside of yourself, despite the right. fact that the, the Bible says, like, um, we're made in God's image or whatever. Like that. Ooh, God is within you. God is within you. And <laughs> that we're, we're just the extension of that. But it really puts fear in your heart and makes you feel like you are helpless. You have to pray and hope and behave and do all these things in order to get God's grace and and pay and tithes and offerings and all these things in order to be considered worthy. worthy. And, like, I never understood that. I never understood, like, I want a God-fearing woman. Like, why would God want us to fear him? Or her, yeah. or whatever. And why does it have to be yeah. a guy? And why is he blue eyes and blonde hair? <laughs> you know. But it's just like I, I was going to ask you about, like, as this shift happened. You know, you having this gift and growing up in this religious place that kind of prohibited you from using it and feeling comfortable with it. How did your life transform as you started to tap in and 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 start to lean in versus like fear it and 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 try to block it? Like, in what ways? Like, what did things begin to align for you? Well, you know, the micro affects the macro. And so internally, when I was a God-fearing woman, I feared men. Like, mm. I feared relationships in certain ways that, um, you know, we were taught that it's a, he's a jealous God. And that's, like, a good thing. It's like, he's a fucking tyrant then. I don't <laughs> want somebody who's all jealous up my ass all the time. Like, no, thank you. So so it's the relational, like, aspect of, like, within, while I was in religion, that affected my relationships with my, with authority figures, with um, p- possible partners, and so on. And when, when I got to this, so I'll tell you what happened. What really, like, took me out of it is, um, you know, being in London and being around all these other people who have all all these different beliefs. I was like, I just don't understand how these people are going to hell. These are some of the nicest people I've ever met. (laughs) The kindest, like the people who give, you give the shirt off their back. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. And all of my Christian friends have like effectively excommunicated me because I'm living with my boyfriend. And I just don't see how that's love. 
And then I started like going down this rabbit hole of like all of these thoughts. And I was like, I just don't understand why when Jesus came, you know, like I, I would ask the questions when I was younger too, like, what about the dinosaurs? Or um, <laughs> you know, what happened to people before Jesus came? Do they also get saved? Like, well, they had to believe that he was on his way. And I was like, well, that's not the same rule, like for them that is for us. And they're like, oh, well, this is kind of how it works. And then I started, and this, this was the thought. I couldn't reconcile how a God who had made a mistake, like had had to send his son down to die for our sins because in his creation, there was a flaw. And if that was the case, then why continue to send people here from the ether, right? They were chilling in the ether with God. They were cool. They were fine. And send them down here to test them. If they get 70 years at best on this earth, to be able to figure out whether or not they'll be born in Iran or in the jungle somewhere or in the United States or whatever. And like everybody doesn't have a fair shot to be able to find Jesus. So why continue to keep sending them down here to test them only to send them to hell? They've been in eternity with you before they got here. So I couldn't reconcile that. Like that to me couldn't make sense. If God is love, then how can you keep sending people and stop sending people, (laughs) obliterate the earth and start over? Like, what was the point? Unless you're a fucking narcissist and you're up there being like, are you going to choose me? Okay, nope. Girl, there you go. Is God a narcissist. I mean, not only <laughs> is the religious standard of God a narcissist, religion je- like upholds the patriarchy. Yes, <laughs> that, 100%. That, when you said that, I didn't realize that, like, how much, you know, like, your relationships with men you know, kind of um, resembled that, like, fear of God. But, I mean, ultimately, it's like, is God upholding the patriarchy to oppress the women? Right. (laughs) And, you know, I never understood. I'm like, if God is God, why in the fuck would he send his only son to get sacrificed? (laughs) Like, why didn't he make up some other rule? He can make up any rule. He's God. He's literally God. (laughs) And literally, as I was like, why would he do this? This seems violent and mean. And he didn't even have to. I'm like, exactly. He's just testing everyone to see if they choose him. Yeah. And I then, wasn't for it. Like then, that, that little thought, that little seed was the thing that blew up the whole thing. And, you know, and I always say that. I'm like, people blindly accept religion because it's passed down to them. And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought about this recently. I was like, God, if any religious person rolls up on our podcasts and hears me for five years, they're going to think I'm a religion hater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Christians are going to come for me, but I really don't get it. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand like the logic in it, especially like you said, as black people. I mean, and I respect everyone's belief systems and I know everybody gravitates to different things and things, different things speak to them. And at the end of the day, ultimately all this shit's kind of the same. It's all. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like spirituality, even in, in, in its new a wave, if you will, has turned into religion a little bit. Mm. And it was like, didn't we leave? Isn't that why we left the church? <laughs> I will, you know, I will say that. That is true. There is kind of like this judgment too. I'm it's- that person. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I admit, I'm working on it. But if I get with someone they're immediately like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, oh, okay. We're probably not going to be really good friends. <laughs> because, I mean, granted, I have real. First of all, I went to like Catholic school my entire high school. I have friends that are like very religious. But it, 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 it depends if you're so gung ho to defend what you believe that you'll choose violence in order to like 
not with like uphold friendships and relationships. Like if I can respect you and you can respect me and know that we're different and not like tell me I'm going to hell, then it can, we can live harmoniously. But generally people feel so defensive over their, over their beliefs. Cause they have a lot to lose. Like if you believe in Christianity, I mean me growing up in it, you had a lot to lose if you were wrong. Like the, the type of following that you're required to, adhere to like means that if 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 you're wrong you've given up a lot you've sacrificed a lot it's the the conversations i have with my mom which was funny cuz she's in her later years she's becoming more spiritual but at the beginning it she she was so volatile towards me if i had if i just started to even entertain the smallest thing and i thought if someone can treat their daughter like that like that was in that time period while she was still growing. But if someone can treat their daughter like that based off of, the, you know, a couple of things that I did for my own life and my own growth, that's not something I want to be a part of. And if someone is in that, like, if you're directly, like, if, if I'm talking to you and I'm Jesus, 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 then my entire life has been built on saving you. Like my entire life, everything that I've been conditioned to learn is that you're in trouble and it's my job to make sure that you're safe. And so out of what may seem like love, but also ego and also, you know, a myriad of other things, like, it's like, okay, either I need to hop in and tell you about the blood of the Lord, um, or I, I distance myself because I can't be tainted by someone who doesn't believe what I believe. Let me stay in my box so I can stay safe. And literally it's a safety game. So when I got out of that and then my grandmother's dream coming through and giving me that confirmation that I was safe and I was okay, it was so easy to let it go. It was so easy to let it go. Cause it was like, I don't have anything to lose. Like, yeah, I don't know what happens on the other side of this. And I have an idea maybe, but nobody can ever really know. So you don't know. I don't know. The Christians don't know. The Buddhists don't know. Like nobody knows. So we can just chill. It's literally <laughs> life's great mystery. It's like the one yeah. thing we can count on not fucking knowing. We can't yeah. Google the shit. I don't care. How and I'm not trying scientists- to die to find out. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, it's, you can Google it. There's some things that come up. Yeah. If, no, I'm saying you, you can Google it, but there's no, there's no. no actual proof of anything. You can't. I have a question with that statement. Yeah. Have you maintained any of your friendships from when you were radically religious? Have, have any of those relationships? Um, very little. I would say like my familiar relationships. I have um like my, for instance, my sister and her husband, like he's a pastor and they are cool as shit, like amazing. They come over, like it's, it's wonderful. I have a wonderful relationship with them, but with regards, not, not close relationships. No, like people know what I do. Um, it was really funny at my, um, my aunt passed away recently and we went to her funeral and there were some people from my past that were there and they're like, so what are you doing now? What are you this? And what are you that? And like, oh yeah, I'm a podcaster and I do this. And oh, you have a podcast. I love podcast. What is it called? Spiritual shit. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, the, like, and I almost like live for that moment. Cause it's like, I can finally own my own truth and who I am, but it makes people deeply uncomfortable. And I think like, it doesn't necessarily have to be religious people that it makes it deeply uncomfortable with. But if you are underneath, underneath organized religion or in some type of like confined spiritual box like that people don't allow you to be who you are and it's it's really confronting to be around people who know themselves when you don't know yourself so it's like it's like itchy you know no i i completely agree i think even for us in this space um not that we were like particularly very lost but as we begin to talk honestly 
about who we were and publicly and, and have to kind of own up to it and, and be vulnerable. Um, like that authenticity really contributed to our ability to manifest because mm-hmm. I truly believe that like the universe works in your favor when you're wa- walking in your purpose and you can only mm-hmm. walk in your purpose with your, when you're comfortable with who you are. And, you yeah. know, and like, even for you being in Kansas city, Missouri, like, we're in LA, you know, like the hippiest place yeah. of all time. But I often think about the hippiest plasticest place of all time. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I like really think full hippie when I think LA. Well, I think I think people are more <laughs> free thinking. I yeah. think we live in a place that is more accepting of that. No, for sure. But if we lived yeah. in, you know, middle America or the Midwest, she, you know, she might go to the town hall and they're like there's the witch <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> i don't know if it's like that but yeah it is like in i lived in new york for a few years and being in new york was so freeing because it was like oh wow like if i told people oh i'm a psychic which i don't even really identify as a psychic i would call myself like a intuitive or something like that but um if i said it nobody bl- blinked an eye it didn't matter like everybody could be as different as they wanted to and you could throw the k- kitchen sink at it like you could be literally everything anything and and no one cared like it was like cool like that's fine here like you know kansas city is a little bit more progressive within the city but not much and you know a bunch of my other friends they all know what i do and they're totally chill with it but if i were to go to you know like my mom's church or something like that it's like it is i will say harder to be who you are because of the the push of conformity not to mention like you know like it's it's really white out here so there's that you know like um i was just talking to my husband about that where like we went down to arkansas went to eureka springs and i was like wow there's like a lot of black people in the country here like shocking to me like that in Arkansas that there are loads of black people in the country. Mm. And up here, it's like something happened in Missouri where like all of the black people went to Kansas city and St. Louis, like they just like fled. And so he's like, I wonder what happened in Missouri to make it like that. But there's a type of racism that exists here in this space. And I remember thinking when I had to come back, like there was a, you know, we had COVID obviously. And then um, I was on my way to moving to Paris and my visa got rejected last minute after I let go of my apartment in New York. And I was like, Oh my God, no, like I have to go back to Kansas city. And I remember talking to my guides. Like I have this like process of talking to my guides in my head and the messages that I get and whatever. And I was like, why do I need to be here? Like, Oh, this is, this sucks. Like, I'm not going to be able to be myself. I'm not going to be this, da, da, da. And I got this wisdom that came through so strong that was like, you still need to learn how to be yourself. So we're going to put you in a place where it's going to be harder for you to be yourself so that you fully claim who you who are. You are. Like in, mm, I exactly. Love that. To not be ashamed to like really like, and also because we need a light there. We need someone to give people permission to be themselves there. And you're going to be a disruptor. And I was like, that did not sign up for that package this year. You know, right. <laughs> like I don't want to be the disruptor. Um but it became it became true. You wouldn't believe how many people I had DM me that I, from my past, from my Christian school that I went to. I'm like, I listen to your podcast, like secretly. And like, I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, really? What do you think? Oh, it's really opening my eyes to a lot of different things. Oh, cool. That's awesome. You know, and had no idea. Like, I didn't even I didn't push it on them. I wasn't like in their face. Like, this is who I am. I just became who I was meant to become. And in that, you find that people will be attracted to your message because they're looking for that for themselves. Mm. No, it's true. It's true. And I'm thinking about what you said, too, about like 
the name of your show, like saying being spiritual shit and how that can be unnerving for certain people that, you know, are maybe religious or or haven't even begun to kind of decode what their belief system is. And Mm -hmm. I think about me and Mila, we do retreats. Um, And we've had a few women come on, come to the, come on to the retreat who, A, never listened to our shows. They had no idea what they were, what the fuck they were getting into (laughs) and B, are religious. And so they show up and they're like, hold up, what the fuck are we doing out here? What do you say? Self-worship. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Self-worship? Like that, the word, just the words, like spiritual means that you are not, like you don't love God. You like love other um, mm-hmm. And then like self-devotion meant like you are seeking, you're not, you're not seeking outwardly, you're seeking inwardly, which for some reason is demonic or in some capacity. Right. And then even man, the word manifesting, and, you know, this month we're really focusing on the law of attraction and, and what that means and all in so many different ways and spaces. And even that word can be triggering. Like, what yeah. are, you, are you doing some witchcraft over here? Like, what is what is this man? Let me tell you, eating the blood and uh, the blood and body of Christ is witchcraft. No shit. <laughs> I was like, why am I drinking his blood and his body? This seems it's a pagan ritual. I seen the craft, and this seems a little on the dark side. <laughs> Listen, you couldn't get that shit past me. I was like, y'all are all witches, okay? Um, but I was listening to something uh, that you said, and you you said that manifesting is a sign of healing. Like that you are, that you're, you're healing. And I love that concept. Can you explain that a little bit more for our, our listeners? Yeah. So I've been on this journey and manifestation is something that's really interesting to me because the more and more I grow and the more I mature, the more I find out about what I didn't know. (laughs) And so in manifestation, it started off with the law of attraction, right? Like we all watch the secret, I'm sure. Um, that the first wave of us anyway. And I remember watching that and being like, you know, it's like you can get anything you want with your mind and like being positive and like all of that stuff, which is great. But at some point I was like, why isn't it working for me? Like, why well, I'm doing all the steps, I'm doing all the things, I'm, you know, whatever. Um, and I started to recognize that the the things that I was asking for in my life required a level of healing to open myself up to allow them to come in. For me, it was a partner. It was like the change uh, in my financial status, my job. Um, at the time, I was a wedding photographer. And so every weekend, I was going seeing people fall in love. And I'm like, why am I in the, this broken relationship? Why do I have this? Why do I have that? And I started to think about it and a lot. And in um, 2020, I went on this like eat, pray, love kind of deal. Like I went to Bali and like was there for, you know, two months. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, come here to heal and figure out my shit and figure out why. I am unable to manifest a partner. And so there was this 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 vision that came to me while I was there that was telling me about my childhood and how I learned that I can't depend on other people. Mm. And when I was in that like vision, I was like seeing myself as a 9-year-old asking my parents for money for gymnastics class that I wanted to go to and them saying they didn't have it. And at some point I had to be kicked out of the gymnastics class because we did for non-payment or whatever. And I thought to myself, I'll never rely on my parents again for the things that I need because one, it hurts them. It burdens them. It, it makes them sad that they can't give me what I want. So it's better for me not to want. And if I do want, I must give it to myself. And so I had this vision and this breakdown and this download of like, wow, like I'm this hyper vigilant, very masculine woman because I have so like I'm blocking so much about 
allowing someone else to come in my life and contribute. I must do it myself. And so it's this learned behavior of like, I can't let anybody in because at at some point someone's going to take something away from me Mm. if they're contributing that thing to my life. So here I am looking for a partner, that very thing. And like, I I can't let anybody in because I have to do everything myself. So um, in that, I, I had the awareness around what it, what it was so I could be freed from it. And I think that manifestation is not about like seeking things out of the catalog of the universe. Like they tell us, like, it's not about money. It's about manifesting the healing that we need so we can be freed from it. And so for instance, if you need basic needs, obviously those, you can't focus on your spirituality and your connection and all that stuff. If you need food, you know what I mean? Like that it's not available to you. Like your mindset's not there. And so the process of us starting to, to look at areas in our life where we're healing, like I think that the manifestation is showing us what we're healing. We start to get those things once we look into the the shadow work or whatever you want to call it, where it's like, oh, wow, like I really do have a hard time with abundance. I have a hard time with money. Like I can't change my shopping habits because I remain broke here. So I can't have abundance here, you know? And to, to take it one step deeper, this might be a bit controversial in spiritual communities, but I don't think law of attraction is a law. I just don't. Um, It doesn't work all the time. It doesn't work the same all the time. We have contracts and karma and relationships and things that we're meant to learn. And when you call it a law, it almost gaslights people when they're trying to do what it is that they need to do and they can't get the result that they want. Mm. We we don't look at layers of access, cultural stipulations. We don't look at like tell people in third world poverty, like they just weren't positive enough. You know what I mean? So it's more of a principle of attraction, which does work most of the time, kind of. <laughs> um, but it's to me, the aspect of that is to help us heal. It's like, if I want this house, then that means I have to get my finances together. And I have this really core wound about not having enough money. So it's, it's, it's pointing me at something that I need to heal healing with. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's causing us to do this kind of like want up, all the time of these desires that we're trying to call into our life so we can bring ourselves to a higher consciousness. It, it, it's crazy because um, I've always considered myself spiritual and like open-minded. And I remember watching um, the law of attraction like a few years ago and making vision boards and having visions yeah. and visualizing things. And in, this, in um, the movie or the book, they suggest starting with something small. And I thought I want to manifest, um, attract a peacock feather. Mm-hmm. And I thought that wasn't super um, like common, but easy enough. But as soon as I said it, I never saw it. And I was like, what the fuck? But recently, I was in the dollar store with Orlando, <laughs> with my partner. And we were in the line, and there was packs of peacock feathers. And I said, huh, there goes that fucking feather, <laughs> you know? And, um, I, f- I feel different than I felt when I started the process of the law of attraction, but I started to choose healing, not really connecting it with my ability to manifest, but just subconsciously through our podcast and started to really hone in on my powers as I saw things to align. 
But when you say this about the healing, it's so true. You know, a couple of things that you said stood out to me just about um, like childhood defense mechanisms. I woke up really early this morning for no fucking reason. And so I started listening to um, meditations in my phone and I found um, I saw a hip a hypnosis uh, like a therapist two years ago and I found mm-hmm. our session. So I, for some reason I just started playing it and I was talking about this relationship I was in with this really nice guy, a nice man. I said, but I keep cheating on him. <laughs> and the, the man says, I'm just here to listen to you. I'm not really giving you my opinion, but you're blaming yourself for, for qualities that you've created to, as a defense mechanism mm-hmm. in your childhood. And it's true. Like I, I've seen a lot of infidelity growing up in my, like my parents' marriage. And, um, you know, I I didn't really realize what he was saying to me then, but even to you saying like, um, I'm super sensitive to noise. Like it really irritates Mm -hmm. me. And, but like not equating that to like a defense mechanism as a child, even I'm really sensitive to people's energy. If they're off, if they don't seem happy or if they don't seem like, right, I get really overly invested in it. Like, is that person okay? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. But that's also, a developed defense mechanism needing and wanting attention that maybe I wasn't getting or, you know, just being overly invested in how everybody else was feeling. But I never really put the two together about like the ability to manifest and, and your healing journey really making it the, like the opening up that road to manifesting. But now it makes so much sense that we've done all this work on ourselves, you know, not really like, we were choosing to grow, but we were like, we're going to go on a healing journey. We're just like, we're going to start a podcast that ended up healing us. It's healing us. And I mean, all that to say, I finally saw the fucking peacock feather. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, what's really beautiful about that is that like, to me, like in that manifestation process where we're manifesting what we need to be freed from. So for myself, like for whatever reason, a partner was super important to me, like a a really well-grounded someone, like someone to do life with. Like I'm just that I'm a cancer. Okay. So I meant to ask you what your sign was. (laughs) Um, So that was really important to me. I know. um, So I'll tell you this story and this is really crazy. But when I was in Bali and I was on that journey, I was like, I was very committed to like being very honest with myself. And I was very committed to saying like, if there is going to be if there's going to be someone that comes into my life, then I need to know that I'm ready for that type of person that I'm asking for. So what does it mean to ask, like to, to work on myself in seriousness and say, I'm okay with being single until like, it's the right time. Not because I'm feeling desperate, not because I'm wanting to fill a void, but because I feel whole by myself. And so I had this kind of, um, had a healing session with a, a girl named Holly Laurel. She's actually based out of LA. And, and in that like Reiki healing session, after she left, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was, um, I was sitting on the steps of like a monument and I was there with my sister. Like, so I, like my gifts, they come through in dreams a lot. And I saw a group of black men, eight of them marching. Um, and there was one guy in the front that really stood out and they came up the stairs and the guy comes straight to me and says, are you single? And I was like, boy, get out of here. Like, what do you want? Why are you bothering me? You know, like whatever in the dream. And he's like, come inside with me. So we go inside of this monument building and inside it looks like this beautiful French or Victorian kind of like 
palace or something. And we start doing this like Bridgerton-esque type dance, right? We're in like Jordans and, and hoodies and whatnot. And and so we we finished the dance and he was like, would you like to come with me to the back room? And I'm like, mm-hmm, I know what happens there. You know, like I have all this skepticism and I'm really like bothered by this person like being around. And so when we get to the back of the room in the dream, he says, do you want to have sex? And I'm like, see, I knew it. I knew that you were just blah, 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 blah. And, and mind you, in the healing session that I had, she was telling me about some past lives that I've had and how like men only wanted me for sex. And that's kind of like some of my karma here and whatever. And that's like, it's a long story, but um, in the dream. So he has, he asks if you want to have sex. And I was like, get out of here. I don't want that. He says, wait, I'm not finished. Do you want to have sex or do you want your equal and capable partner? Mm. And I was like, whoa, because at, at this point in my life, I was so tired of like, you know, empty sexual contact and like having these relationships with the promise of something and then them ghosting me or whatever. And I said, I want my equal and capable partner. And he said, then wait for me. Wait for me. Like, don't just be out with these people or whatever. Wait for me. And so I woke up from that dream. It was February 22nd, two, two, two. And I said, okay, okay, I'm gonna wait for homie to come into my life. Six months later, George Floyd happens and all this stuff goes down and there's protests going on outside of my apartment. And I got on Bumble, not to date, but to check on black men. And I got on there to see how they were doing because I know the type of work that I do. I know our communities. I know that we don't seek therapy the way that we should. And with religion and all the stuff that we all talk, we y'all know, like, I wanted to see how they were doing because us watching that over and over in the news and the way that it was, it's traumatic. Mm -hmm. It's so traumatic. Like anytime it was like black issues, it's always black trauma. And I was like, this, this sucks. This sucks. So I just went on there to talk. And so David was one of the first people that came through and I said, how's your heart King? How are you doing? And that for him was like, nobody ever asked how my heart's doing. Like, what's going on? You know, yeah. he's like, I want to meet you. Let's go get a coffee. And I said, I won't meet you until you leave me a voice note first. Because I told you my gift is clear audience. So mm. I can tell from your voice whether or not you bullshit or not. So he left a voice note. And I was like, okay, he's cool. He sounds cool. So I go to meet him. And when I see him in person, I didn't notice it on the pictures. When I see him in person, it's the guy from the fucking dream. Like the hands were the same. I remember the hands because of the Bridgerton dance. <laughs> <laughs> And I kid you not. And and like when he said it, he said, um, he said, so I see your cancer too. And I was like, your cancer? And he's like, yeah. So when's your birthday? He's like, July, July 19th. And I'm like, I'm July 18th. What? You know, like we were like, oh my God. And <laughs> I knew, like I knew right then and there, like, okay, that's, this is the person. This is the one that I'm calling into my life. It was through that, that healing process journey that I was able to be freed from that desire. I was like, okay, like if we, when we are looking to manifest stuff, a lot of times we're in that urgency space. We're asking out of scarcity. For instance, if your rent is due and you don't have the money, I need to manifest money now. And that energy to me often offers more resistance mm. because we're in that need space. And for whatever reason, I don't know how it works, but the energy, it, it, it blocks that because it says I'm without this thing right now. And whatever frequency I'm on is what I'm attracting. At least that's a call according to the principle of attraction. And so when I was whole and I was like, okay, cool. I don't need anyone. I got my little apartment. I'm cool. I'm chilling. I'm just here to talk. He walks into my life like, like as promised. And if I think if we looked at a lot of our manifestations as like, like true manifestations, not the inauthentic desires that are pressed on us, 
like, oh, I need to have these Nikes or a yacht or whatever because society says so. Like our true authentic desires. At some point we're meant to have them, but we're on some kind of timeline often. And that timeline to me is what kind of strangulates like what it is that we're trying to bring into our life because we're in a hurry to get it. And when he said, wait for me, and I was like, all right, I'm good. He told me in the dream, he's coming. I can chill. It was, it made it super easy and so like clear when he did come into my life, this is the person. There was no question. And so I'll tell you one more story to take it a step further. I never thought of myself of being a mom. Um, I have fibroids, endometriosis, the gamut of hormonal issues, you name it. Um, so doctors always told me that I would have fertility problems. So when I met David, six weeks into our, our dating, he's like, you think you want to have kids? He's already got two kids. I'm like, I don't, you know, we know we're our soulmates and whatnot, but like, uh, let me think on it. Um, I mean, that's early. So, like, like a month and a half. Six, that's a month and a half so in. Early. Wait, six weeks in, you knew it was your soulmate and he knew too? He knew too. Like it was just, it was so easy. It was like within like three or four days we were like, okay, like I, I see where this is going. I dated enough. We had both gotten out of bad marriages. Like we just knew. And so there was this moment, um, we had this discussion where I was like, you ever thought about what you name your kid? And you know, da, da, da. And I'm like, no, I don't really let myself think about that stuff. Cause I don't know if I can have kids. And he's like, I think, um, I would name like my child Cairo. And I'm like, shut up because I have all this like past life stuff with Cairo, like all this connection with Egypt. If you look at my necklace right now, I'm wearing this like scarab, uh, blue scarab thing that I got made, like very into Egypt. And I was like, okay, this is super weird. So I told him, I guess I'm just looking for a sign, like to like, know if this is a thing that I want or not. Um, and when I said that 30 seconds later, I'm scrolling on Instagram and Tia Mowry's profile comes up. And she says something like TBT to our fifth year anniversary. We renew our, our vows every year, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't on our 10th because I was way pregnant with Cairo. Mm. And I had just asked for the sign. Shit. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God. So I threw my phone and he was like, you got to trust that. You tell your followers to trust the signs and trust this and manifesting and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you're right. Okay. Well, we'll try for one month just one month. And if it doesn't work, I don't want to hear about it ever again. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to, you know, like just let it die. Um, and first try got pregnant. So my daughter's name is Cairo Veda and we call her Veda, but like she came in like a bullet and it was just like, wow, like I, these are like the things that I have been asking for, for years of my life. I got the home, the partner, the baby, the job within six months, during a pandemic when it was the most impossible time, because at some point I had let it go. I had let myself be freed from the desire of it. And it just came rushing to me. I think of the word like surrender. You kind of have to surrender to the whole the process. And like, I do think about manifesting and like, you know, manifesting people want to manifest yachts and manifest money quick when their bank accounts are empty. And, and there's a level of this scarcity mentality. I even think about myself in ways because I was telling I was telling Mila, I was like, I have to heal my money wounds because I have money wounds myself where I'm always kind of just like money's always come to me easily in ways like when I'm on my last dollar, I'll get a check in the mail. and I'll be like, oh, yeah. shit, OK. However, I still I still have issues around believing that I won't that I will f- have financial independence in a way that. Where I don't have to think about money anymore, and I think one of yeah. the reasons and things that I that it came from is a moment with my mom where 
I asked her for some money and she said she didn't have it. And I remember mm-hmm. being like, oh my God, like, what? This is weird. Like, mm-hmm. are we okay? Like, do, are we going to have to move? Like, it, I yeah. just spiraled in that moment as a child. And it's so funny because my mom is very, um, uh, she's not, um, she has no scarcity mentality really in her. So she didn't necessarily, I didn't get that from her per se, but just those words had this imprint in my in my like little child's DNA and it's it's and it's manifested mm-hmm. as an adult and I've seen how I've continued to kind of live in this space of like having just enough to do the things that yeah. I want um and so I've been talking I've been talking to myself really and saying like how do I heal these wounds because I have so much that I'm doing and so many things that I know are are generating income and that are going to give me and bless me in abundance and I'm always trying to invite in abundance but I know that there's this wound that has to heal in order for me to really be ready to invite in that abundance, like not be right. fearful of when it comes and not being prepared and not knowing how to balance everything and not, not spending it all because there's that too. I'm not, I'm also not great with money. <laughs> Once I get no, it, don't say it. <clears throat> I shouldn't say it, but it's, it's, it's historically been a fact in my life um, that I have to acknowledge in order to heal the awareness it. though. That's the, that's a really important portion of the healing process is the awareness and the willingness to be honest with yourself in that. Like I'm I real recognize real. I understand that struggle so well. <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden it was like I had all this financial abundance when I was used to being really broke for a long time. And they don't teach financial like wherewithal in school or anything like that. It's like, I don't, how do I do these taxes? How do I do that? You know, whatever. And you just don't know what you don't know until you do. You until know? you do. And then and you so, do and believing that you can do it. Even right now I'm in the process exactly, of like getting exactly. a, a new car and figuring this out. And I was been I was so overwhelmed at first. Like, I don't know anything about cars. Like, how the fuck do I do this? And I'm like, at my 35-year-old age, I don't know how to do this shit. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then (laughs) over the last few days, I'm like, okay, things are starting to make sense. I can do this. And I've been talking positively to myself in the car. Like, today, they had a hiccup with the situation. And I was like, it's going to work out. It's going to be fine. And we're going to figure this out, too. You're not going to spiral like you normally do. It's going to be okay. Um. I also was I also was thinking about just how when we want things but necessarily they're not necessarily aligned for where we are in our life in our healing journey and just in general. And like I've heard you talk about how there's seasons in manifesting. Yes. And yes. I never looked at it that way and I couldn't agree more with you. Like there's certain seasons. First of all, you can't ask for everything at once. Yeah. And then also the seasons. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about the seasons of manifesting? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just in our world, we're used to everything being really fast, like instant gratification, microwave culture, you know. And with that, we think that manifestations are not working because they're taking a long time. And I don't think that we're, huh? (laughs) I said, hence the peacock feather. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, so I don't think that we're meant to, like you said, manifest everything all at once. And um, the surrender process to me is like knowing summer is coming, but it's winter time and you're wishing for it to be warm right now, but having to wait until it's actually summer. So it's like, it's not that summer doesn't exist. It's just, it's, it happens during summer. <laughs> so you have to wait until that happens. Our society is just like, I mean, we're, we're raised on capitalism. So 
it's consume, consume, consume. Things need to happen. We're looking forward to something, projects and so on. And we get addicted to that constant stimuli um, over and over and over that things should be happening. Things should be moving. There should be progress always. And like a flower doesn't do that. A flower doesn't bloom year round. So like nature doesn't bloom year round. Animals don't procreate year round. Like <laughs> why do we think that in our lives that we must approach it and, and push forward always? Like it's, it's constant striving. It's tiresome. And so when I learned that, it was this like, it was almost like freeing, you know, to like go, okay, like, what does it look like to observe what it is that I do have? How do I make what I have the life that I want? And to me, when I started to become more content, started to surrender, started to come into a place where it's like, wow, like, look at my life, like in the last five years, what I've manifested, right? Like it's, it means I'm super good at manifesting, but I'm not supposed to like have it all happen all the time. And so in that, it gave me some space to breathe that like, okay, well, this is my life right now. Can I enjoy what I've manifested so far? That to me, energetically in the frequency produces more gratitude. Mm -hmm. And when we have more gratitude, we end up becoming more of a vibrational match for what it is that we're attracting into our life. And so like that, like I had when I was in Bali, I was like, oh, wow, like I've afforded myself this experience. I'm here. I'm doing, you know, this and whatever to, to heal myself. And I became into um, a place where I was, I felt content where I was at and it was okay not to have the partner or the house or know what was going to happen next. And then COVID happened at the time I was a wedding photographer and suddenly my, I was out of a job like completely. So I had started my podcast a year before, but it wasn't doing what it's doing now. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm out of income. It came to the point where I had to face that wound of not asking someone for something like I had to ask friends for money and I'd never had to do, like, not never had to. I just never would do that in my life. I would sell pictures of my feet online before I would ask anybody <laughs> what <laughs> for, for money. Like it was just like an anxiety for me that like I, I didn't want to have to need. And so in that moment, I had some friends that had already said like, hey, we know you're going down there. If anything happens, let us know. We'll send you some money. You'll be okay. And I was like, that's weird. Like that they had offered that. But then it was in my back pocket when I had the surprise expense and everything got taken out of my account and I was in Bali with nothing. Mm. And like I had to, it took me three days to draft the email and send it to ask for the money. Now, I, the, these people that I'm talking about are good friends of mine and they're millionaires. Like what I was asking, $500, $1,000 wouldn't have been anything to them, especially in Bali. But to have to ask, to have to need that, like it was such a big burden for me oh, I, I and relate to that it's like the ask and also oh, them knowing that you need it the ask yeah like the, it's embarrassing it's em you haven't done what you're supposed to do the yep. fact that you can't not depend on somebody closer to you that I don't now know. you're exactly. exposed even though your friends know you're not a millionaire now they really know <laughs> <laughs> but it's vulnerability right yeah. It's vulnerability and it's like to be able to ask like I mean I know I know people ask me for stuff all the time and it's like the, for the people that I love who are in my life, I'm happy to show up for them. I'm happy to give to them. Why do I not feel worthy of someone doing that for me? It's also the fear that someone can tell you no and your like well-being is in the hands of somebody else. And then like the disappointment for me, it's like yeah. I'm going to be disappointed if someone I think I'm so close to that I feel like is in the position to maybe do it and they don't. And, you know, cancers don't yeah. forget shit. <laughs> I'll be like, never. Never. 
it's it's scary. Even thinking, I was thinking about what you were talking about gratitude and how there it's linked to, I guess, um, deciding what it is you do and don't manifest. I think about like how gratitude is such a key component to manifesting because once you really have more gratitude and compassion for yourself, your asks change. Like yes. the things that you might have wanted, they you're like, I don't really need to put my energy into that because A, it's probably not realistic at this time, right in this moment. And we talk about realistic and how like realistic can also be kind of a negative, like it's kind of negative, a negative thought. When someone says, oh, I'm just being realistic, you know, it can kind yeah. of have this negative connotation, which I, I do but agree grounded. with. Um, but I think when you live in gratitude and, 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 and honestly, that can be the most challenging part of just being human, and especially in this day and age, because there's so much, um, so much exposure to what everyone else is doing and everyone else has. And so there's a lot of comparing ha- happening. Um, but I think that. I've even noticed how my manifesting has the things that I'm asking for as I've tapped more into my gratitude change. Like, I don't actually want that. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can wait for that. I actually want this more instead because I'm grateful for what I have right in this moment right now. Yeah. There's a, there's a phrase that I love and that I say to myself and it says, I'm kidding myself to think I know what's best for my life. And it's a weird phrase, right? Because at first it sounds negative, but the way that I interpret that is that like, I really don't know what's going to make me happy until I experience it. And until then I will base my asks off of a past version of myself of what I thought made me happy. So if the universe is trying to level me up, (laughs) then I might not know what to ask for if I'm not in a grounded space where I'm grateful with what I have. So I will continue to ask for things and then continue to get them but may not give me the feeling I was expecting or the satiation I was hoping for and continue to run after the next thing because I'm not satiated. I haven't gotten to that space of gratitude. So it's, it's interesting. Like for instance, you said like the ask becomes different. That's so true. Um, You know, at first it was like a, you know, a bigger house. It was this, it was that. And, you know, upon becoming a mom and like upon like really digging into this type of work, the things that I used to want, are like, that's stupid. Like that would have never made me happy. How hot, you know, like it's just, it's like the, you have this, like just a leap almost of change and what you may have asked for. You ever asked for something and been glad you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That one guy, girl, whoever, you know, like <laughs> it's like, Ooh, oh, thank God. Spirit, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's, it's something. So for instance, um, I, when the house that I'm living in, I had a dream about, this is like any other story. Um, but we were on in the process of buying this other house that I thought for sure was like the one. But I remember thinking like, yeah, it doesn't have the red roof on it like my dream did. But like, we're going to like push through and get this house. Like we want to get the house. I want to, I'm pregnant. Like, you know, like we're trying to nest and stuff like that. I really want to get this house. And it was one thing after another that ended up coming up. Like the sewage pipe was broken. There was, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I was like, all right. I know that I'm, I asked for this house. I know that we've done all the process to get here, but I'm getting the feeling. My intuition is telling me like, this is not it. This is not the house. And even though my partner was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like we, we looked at like a thousand house, like this is it. The market's crazy right now. I said, I got to let this one go. 
I have to let it go because like something in, in my internal spirit was saying this, how this is, you're not going to be happy here. This is not, even though everything matches close to what it is that you've been asking for, it's not quite it. And so I said, okay, we got to let it go. And in that moment, I felt this kind of like devastation, like, oh, like now we have to start the whole process all over again. Like maybe we won't get a house at all. Like, did I put us in a worse position? Yada, yada. And it was that day that we let the house go that this house came on the market and it had the red roof, just like I had dreamed about. And so I I didn't even need to like come into the house to like, no, but when we came to see the house, the owner happened to be here and which is weird. Like this is very rare that the owner is in the house when you go see it, like a realtor or whatever. So we went and we ended up talking to him for a while. Here I am pregnant. We got two step kids with us, you know, like we're talking to him about this family and like, oh, how it's perfect for our family. And when it was finally time to put down an offer, we had offered maybe 10,000 or 20,000 under asking price. And then here is these investors coming in with like forty, fifty thousand dollars over asking price, and they said we want to give it to that family. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my god! You know, <laughs> like I didn't know that this was on the other side of what it was that I was asking for. And if I continue to push through instead of like trust my gut to like say, you know, what? I'm kidding to know if I, like this is you know if this is going to be best for our family, I really need to like to take a second and, and just trust, like, I need to come back to myself and just trust, like what's meant for me won't miss me. Mm. And if I'm not in a scarcity space, trying to like fill a void, I won't settle for something that the universe didn't have for me in the first place. Definitely. can, I I understand that when you're in Mm. the scarcity mindset, it's hard to trust spirit. When you're yeah. desperate, especially like as a mom or a woman, we have been taught a lot to like rely on men outside things that are supposed to save us. You know, that's been a big right. thing for me. Like I thought I was going to be saved, but spirit showed me mm-hmm. many times the sugar daddy is not coming. <laughs> it's not for the you. manifesting is not working. <laughs> I was like, God, I look good. <laughs> what the fuck? All these other bitches have sugar. No, because daddies. you know what? If that if that sugar daddy showed up, there'd be no healing taking place. I know. I have no thinking. reason to heal, and you'd be just a sad, lonely bitch. I know. It's <laughs> true. And like, even like two years ago, I was in a really fucked up position. I was staying with someone. I didn't really want to be staying there. I have a daughter. I had like asked people. I really didn't want to ask for anything. I think I asked my baby daddy to like co-sign for me, and he was like, "I'd rather help a stranger." I asked my grandmother, she agreed, and like the very last second reneged to co-sign. Granted, Mm. she's fucking like 80 years old. I don't know where her credit, she needed it to go. (laughs) (laughs) But I was desperate, and I was like at an all-time low. And I was, and I remember her telling me, she was like, God bless the child that has their own. That's what your grandma said to you? Yes. Mm. Dang. And I was like. What the fuck, God? Do you hate me? Mm. But I was also... Is all this spiritual shit working against me? Yeah. I was like, it's because I don't believe in Jesus. (laughs) But like my deepest soul, I was like, something is going to work because I can't Mm. be in this position. And granted, I figured shit out by myself. And for that, I'm I'm grateful because where I wanted to move is not really where I wanted to be. I just wanted to be out of the situation that I was in. 
but now yeah. I need to move again. And I felt this fear start to come up in my body again. And I had to tell myself, like, last night, like, you're not in that same place. You're not that same person. And mm. you see how it worked out for you, right? Like, stop with that fear. And, like, sometimes when you're used to being in scarcity and, like, we were talking about, like, the reality is bitches could be homeless. <laughs> but, like, I'm not bitches. <laughs> and just to shift my mindset and to welcome the unknown and to know and to trust the situation. And it's like, it, th- it, might, it reminds me a lot of, like, even in our journey, we didn't have an expectation for this podcast. It's been... Like, let's, I need a friend. Let's start talking. It, it, it's just like the alignment, though, the little signs of alignment that have come through in the process that kind of let me know, like, it's okay. And it's like the yeah. smallest shit. Like, I want this person to be on our show. And then we walk in somewhere and that person's right there, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> and it's small and it's not like a yacht or a house. But those were the moments where I started to realize my powers were getting stronger. And our powers together were really strong. And I think people miss that, like, you know, that dream you had about your husband or the fact that you scrolled and then Tia Mari's and her pregnant Cairo, you know what I mean? Like, those are the things that people miss, but those are also the indications that what you're asking for is not being unheard. And it's like getting in the car and then you have a thought and it's 111. And you're like, okay, spirit is telling you to sit tight. And, 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 and not to trip, you know, it's even like I'm big on like songs or billboards if I'm having a thought or a question and I seek outwards and there's a song that's answering all my questions. This is like 12 year old Jamila, mm. but it's, <laughs> it's true. Like people forget to, to, um, just look for the little signs and the alignments that let you know that your manifestations are working and your, you know, yeah. your dreams or your wishes or your prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, amen. Let the church say hallelujah. <laughs> um, well, Alia, I have a question, or it's not really a question. It's it's something we do on our show. Um, we usually ask our guests to share an affirmation. So I wanted to know if you have an affirmation that, you know, that helps you day to day or one that, you know, is on your heart recently that you could share with our audience. Yeah. Um, the one that is coming to mind first is I am safe. I am safe. And that's been really important for me lately. I'm I'm someone who's, you know, because of the extrasensory and the like connectedness to like all of that stuff, I'm a highly anxious person. Oh God, and like I think I'm also on the spectrum, but there's like a lot of like just things I'm hypersensitive to that causes me to feel unsafe. And so when I really tap in, really connect with myself, with my energy, um, you know, even the external energies that work with me, like, it's like, okay, like I'm safe. And what does that mean to me? Um, it means more than just like physical safety. It means like spiritual safety. It means I'm protected. I'm loved. I'm cared for that in this moment in time where all my fears are coming up and rushing to the surface, I'm still safe. And so, um, for instance, I'm having some like major, wounding, if you will, coming to the surface around money specifically. And the the world has come in in such a unique way to show me, hey, remember this? Remember we were working on this and you got super comfortable? We're going to work on this to another level. Mm-hmm. Oh, yay, me. Um, 
there's a type of anxiety that comes with financial stress. There's a type of anxiety that comes with relational stress that comes with, um, you know, shelter, basic need type of stress. And in that, I, I come back to myself and say, I'm safe. Like, this is a scary, you know, to, to confront because of my wounding. Like somebody else might look at it and go, oh, that's not a big deal. It's like, no, no, I'm about to have a panic attack. You know, like <laughs> I'm I, it's coming for me. Um, but in that moment, it's like, I, I at least have, my my partner, I have my home, I have my daughter, like we're not in any imminent danger. Like I start to recount all the things that mean safety to me personally. And it it brings me in a very calming space to be able to confront that issue that I'm having in that moment to ask, even ask myself the question, what am I afraid of? In this moment, what am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. What are my highest fears? Are these realistic fears? Or are these like my trauma reacting to certain wounding, like in, in like my inner child even acting out, um, it's telling me I'm not safe. And so it puts me in this like, almost like a talk therapy situation. Go, okay, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of X. Okay. In this moment right now, are you safe? Even though you're afraid of X? Yes, I am. Okay. And it's a way to talk myself off the cliff. Mm, I love that. I am safe. I am safe. Also, we're going to be best friends after this because I feel like we (laughs) – you don't know it yet, but – Come to LA. We're going to – yeah, come see us. I know. Come to LA. LA. I do – I relate to so much of the stuff that you're saying. Thank you. Thank you. And you you as well. This is fun. I know. I'm like, are you taking clients for readings? Because I'm calling you I actually am. I am. So you can find go on to my website, thelovelyalia.com, and I got all my services on there. Um, I love doing readings. Like I have, like you, you can see here all my, or you can't see. I have like thousands of cards sitting down here. So you do virtual um, readings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, I'm going to add to the calendar right after this. What'd you say? I'm adding myself to your calendar oh. after this. I'm like, can you do a virtual <laughs> reading right now? <laughs> can you read us? Do you want to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do like a mini. Okay. <laughs> Okay, should I do it individually or collectively? You can do it individually. I think we both need individual. I think me and Mila are both in like, we are like one in the same, but we're so not at the same time. But I think we're both going through like, I don't know, some separate wounding that needs to be healed. (laughs) All right. So I'll do a three card pull, which is not really like a lot that I can give you information wise, but we'll do it anyway. When I do my general readings, I kind of, um, I do what I call this, like a pyramid channel. And in the pyramid, it kind of tells me what, um, like what's blocking you, like what's in your way and like, what's the theme, um, that you're dealing with right now. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. It's tarot Um, time, guys. It's tarot time. (laughs) This is a different type of tarot time. I'm so excited. Um, so I need you to say your full name out loud three times. Jamila Asada Map. Jamila Asada Map. Jamila Asada Map. Guys, guys, angels and ancestors, please be with us as we go through Jamila's reading that we bring forth what is in their best and highest good and remove anything that's causing resistance in their path from them living their best life and their best purpose. So be it. All right. Let's see. What do we have for Mila? This is so fun to do on the spot. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're down. I'm down. 
Okay, so first card that comes up is door to value. It's in your theme position. And door to value is about your worthiness. You are on the, the opportunity of opening the door to your worthiness, starting to understand where your abundance is at and starting to understand more about how you can bring that in. Like you said earlier, you're in the process of healing. So this door to value is really important because it's more about personal healing, personal value, and door cards are always opportunities that you get an opportunity to take. So it's about making the decision to say, I'm worthy of and calling that in. What's really cool is on your left side, which is the internal, like I call it the feminine masculine energy, but an inward directed energy. You have a cornucopia card. So harvest is on the horizon, which is really fun because like if you're in the process of manifesting money and, and all the, that good stuff here and your worthiness, then you are opening yourself up to that harvest. But like we spoke about earlier, you need to be able to wait for it. Like, and it's not that it's not around the corner. It's just that you may be a bit more impatient in that sense. So inwardly, there's going to be a lot of um, manifesting. It might not necessarily be an outward expression of finances, relationship, and so on, but it's more about you manifesting that healing that you've been looking for. Now in the middle here, you have the door to romance card. So that's two door cards and it comes in the heart line directly underneath that door to value. So you're opening up not just relationships and romance, but when I think of romance, I think of like when someone's anticipating our needs right? Like when someone comes to you and they're like, oh, I've got flowers for you. I'll get you some chocolates or whatever. It's like, oh my God, you thought of me. Like romance in the universal sense is being open to, like you said, those signs that the universe is trying to give you that is open to the worthiness that you've been working hard to get in your life. So again, it's two decision cards. It comes up in the heart line saying like, you have a double opportunity here to step through that door in this particular trajectory in your life to start to own that. Now on the right-hand side, on your outward directed energy, you have the carrying connections card in the reverse position. And this card sometimes means that you could be headed for a breakup, but I don't read it like that. That's how the author wrote this deck. They ain't to breaking me, up. This is about, <laughs> no, <laughs> but it doesn't, mean that, it doesn't mean <laughs> your partner that you have. It could mean some other external relationship that you have. She can't leave me, Alia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't manifest. More importantly, <laughs> I have more than two friends. More importantly, me. This is about <laughs> this is about you choosing yourself here. Like this is the separation of you making decisions based off of someone else. Like you said something earlier about being people pleaser, right? Mm -hmm. Like overly invested in what other people need. This is you breaking up with that so you can have romance for yourself. Mm. Choosing yourself, okay. Um, you might choose yourself over Erica and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I hope she does. I want her to. <laughs> All right. So that's a, that's a little compact. Does that make sense for you? Yes. Yes. That's okay. All right. So Erica, it's your turn. Okay. I want you to say your full name out loud three times. Erica Nicole Dickerson. Erica Nicole Dickerson. Erica Nicole Dickerson. Guides, God's angels, and ancestors, please be with us as we go through Erica's reading that we bring forth what is in their best and highest good and remove anything that's causing resistance in their path from them living their best life and their best purpose. So be it. All right. So that's just the little prayer that I do that like protects my energy and makes sure the intention is known. What do we have for Erica? Okay. Oh, wow. That's so funny. All right. So funny enough, even though you heard me shuffle the heck out of these cards, yours is also door to value. So you guys are very aligned in energy, which is kind of crazy. Um, so collectively, you guys are both in that part of the process where you're starting to understand your worthiness and you're having this opportunity for abundance to come into your life and, and really open that door 
in all of your worthiness, like you said, with your finances and stuff like that. More, more for you, I think, particularly, it has to do a lot more with that type of abundance money. Um, on the left-hand side, and the reason I say that is because on the left-hand side, you have the Envy card. And the Envy card shows up in that inward-directed energy side. So it's not necessarily that you're jealous of other people, but you're like almost racing against something. Like, I should be here by now. I should be doing this by now. It's almost an internal because it comes up on the left side. It's more about you comparing yourself to yourself. Mm. I should be doing this by now. And you're taking yourself out of the amazing progress that you've made so far because you're looking forward and saying, but I should be here. And it's taking you out of that space of that worthiness and that gratitude. But in the middle here, you have the seventh chakra Archangel Uriel. And Uriel is all about that connectedness that you have in your crown chakra, that beautiful color that you have behind you for your podcast. That's this color. So that connectedness to the crown, it means you're highly, highly intuitive. You're very, very connected. And that's part of the problem, if you will, um, because you can see what's the future. You can see what's in the future for yourself. So you're like, let's go. Like, when? why is it not happening? Like, come on, let's go. And in that way, it's out of your comfort zone. You have the garden and the gate card on the outward world perspective. So for you, it's like, all right, this, this causes me discomfort. Let's fix it. Let's move it. Let's go, you know? And in that, you're needing to get out of your comfort zone by allowing things to unfold when they're supposed to. Even though you have that high intuitive ability to be able to sense what's coming, you're probably an early adapter. You're probably like pretty good on trends pretty quickly. Um, it's just you being able to wait through that and go through that process instead of rushing through it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Booyah. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> In, in so many ways, especially within this space of like finance and abundance, I'm like, girl, you, d- there's no way it's not going to happen. You do, you're doing everything that you, A, that you love, you're walking in your purpose, like you're doing all the things. So it, it will come, it has to come, but like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you're a Scorpio too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a Scorpio rising. We have a hard time with patience. Me too, girl. I'm a Scorpio rising too. So hard with patience, like just, you know, it's allowing the process. Your lesson is different than Mila's in that way. Like it's about the, the okay, like I'm, I'm needing to be really, really present right now, even though I have a connection to that future foresight. Mm, okay. I, I recently so. was like trying to go to sleep, but I was like, you're safe. You have a, you have the number one podcast. <laughs> you're, you're an author. <laughs> you have a podcast studio. I'm literally like telling myself about my accolades so that I can believe them. Like you've come yeah. a really long way. Like you're worthy. Yeah. You're capable. I'm like, well, what kind of weirdo am I? <laughs> I don't think that's weird at all. Sometimes you got to list them awful. out and write them out. So they're like real. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you do, you yeah. all those things you said you, yes. And more. Right. You know? Yeah. Cause sometimes we just, we override, like we get used to just like, okay, on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. We don't allow yeah. ourselves to really soak in what it is that we've done and enjoy what we've manifested. I was telling her the other day and I was like, I feel numb sometimes, like mm-hmm. numb to my successes that like I've prayed for and I'm like, okay, got it next. Yep. I'm like, Stop I call it. that achievement syndrome. What is it called? Achievement. I call it achievement syndrome. Oh. Um, it's the the lack of satiation by the things that we've manifested because it's the process of manifesting that we're like addicted to. It's not necessarily an addiction result, as much it's as it's just, yeah. Oh. yeah, like it's just, it doesn't feed us because we're still looking to be worthy somewhere else. Mm. And it's like, wow, we really did like manifest the whole husband, baby, house, whatever. And like, I can't just chill. No, you want more. <laughs> 
it's like, well, okay, next. Like, um, I remember when my podcast hit hit number one in the spiritual genre, and I was like, oh my god, I did it. Okay, what's next? Now I need to get on YouTube, and I need to this, and I'm like, just chill for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I resonate with that feeling too. Yeah. Like, are you satisfied, bitch? <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure like my angel guides or whatever. And they're like, you know, are my ancestors for sure. You are living our greatest dream. Just chill out for a second. Just okay? this, just right now at this very moment. For real. Especially if you're black yeah. or brown living in America. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, congratulations. You're here. <laughs> I mean, when you think about like all the people that didn't make it, all the combinations of people that had to exist for you to exist, whose lineages were done, ended. Yeah, yeah. like it. There takes us two sp- people, you know, from two different lineages, and we're both black. So there's all these, these, this trauma and this like conflict and this violence. But then here you are, and you're living your purpose, which is a whole other feat, and that's a big deal. Yeah. In the middle of a lot of disruption, like we're in the middle of a really interesting time, like starting in 2020, like y'all saw the uproar and how like all this new stuff was coming to the surface. I think like there we're in the process of digging down underneath the rug and sweeping things out. So it feels like it's getting worse while it's actually getting Clearing better because we're revealing a lot of things so that way we can heal. And we're not just healing for ourselves. We're healing our ancestors I know that for myself, when I started healing myself, I start my mom started healing things, mm. and as a, I think as a result of me healing some of those things, so she started coming to me on her own and being like, "What do you think about this? What I do you think about that?" I never thought about it that way. Me either. And honestly, like I've seen a shift. It's been over the last. I mean, it's been a slow shift, but even this, the end of this last year into this year, I've seen a shift in my mom, and mm-hmm. and obviously she has she's autonomy over her own healing process as well, but. I never really associated it with, with me, though, too, mm-hmm. and how me healing The generational myself. trauma start, stops with you. Damn. Well, it's also it's it's that it's the way I react. The way we once you're healed, the way you react to certain people that allows them to space yeah. to heal certain things where they're not getting the same reaction mm-hmm. and therefore they can't give you the same reaction anymore. Yep. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. Of course, anytime. <laughs> Well, uh, well, I'm just so happy that we did this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming Thank you. on. Thank can, you for having me. Can you tell our people where they can find you? Yes. You can go to the lovelyalia.com, A-L-E-A, to find basically everything. You can find me on Instagram at thelovelyalia as well. And I also have offerings on patreon.com slash thelovelyalia if you want to join my conscious community. Um, we have this community of mystics and people that are into all the weird shit <laughs> that get together and ask each other questions and we have events and it's just really fun to be able to have a group of people that, you know, are not going to side eye you when you're like, oh yeah, I saw this ghost or I talked to my guides or I do this and that. So it's really cool. I love that. Well, you know where to find us guys. Good moms <laughs> underscore bad choices on Instagram. Go to our website, goodmomsbadchoices.com. We have offerings of merchandise retreats and we also have a patreon patreon.com backslash good moms bad choices and it's not too late to come to the retreat guys i know that we are it's it is we're at the we're at the the last hour but if your spirit is calling you to a leave the ghettoness of america maybe it's really cold as fuck where you are guess what it's not cold in costa rica 
Um, we have an amazing group of women that are coming for both dates. The first date is February 2nd. The second is February 11th. Please come join our sister circle, our little tribe circle. There's healing, there's booty shaking, there's topless dancing. We took over a whole property. It's women only and it's such a safe and beautiful space. So, um, if you feel your spirit calling, come, come, come. I've linked everything here in the episode description and make sure you follow the Good Vibe Retreat on Instagram. Um, but I think that's it. All right. See you guys yeah. next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.